Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show, coming to you from New Orleans, with host Tanya Brown. Our episodes span about 20 minutes long to give you just a little pop of magic. So, tune in, take a deep breath, and enjoy. Good morning. It is October 17th, 2023. It is Tuesday. I am Tanya, and this is the Witch Daily Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Asheville Pagan Supply. So let's get your day going with a little magic. Our quote of the day is... He who fights with monsters should be careful, lest he thereby become a monster. And if thou gaze long into an abyss, the abyss will also gaze into thee. By Frederick Nietzsche. So, what are we drinking today? We are drinking Sippa Spells Dark Society Mayan Hot Chocolate. So, we're talking about ginger this week. And I actually found something kind of interesting when looking for ginger lore. And it's not something I expected, but it's about the dark history of the gingerbread man. Yes, I had absolutely no idea this is what I was going into. So it's really surprising, but it's from CrimeReads.com. So let's find out. The pudgy gingerbread man with his candy eyes and icing smile has a sinister backstory. A link to death and the demonic. Over the centuries, the gingerbread pendulum swings between light and dark. The sweet treats history made it perfect for a ginger dead man, a contemporary Christmas mystery. Precursors to the gingerbread man played a role in Saturnalia, the Roman winter solstice celebration. The decadent festivities included excess drinking, eating, and uh, caroling. Celebrants gobbled down man-shaped biscuits representing the culminating event of Saturnalia, human sacrifice as a gift to appease the gods. As Christianity spread through the Roman Empire, religious leaders replaced Saturnalia with Christmas and cleaned up the festivities. Uh, Carol sing became caroling and gift-giving recalled the Magi's offerings to the baby uh, Jesus. So, though the Romans used ginger for medicinal and culinary purposes, we don't know if the spice was an ingredient in Saturnalia biscuits. So, if we remember, we talked about how um, ginger made its way to the Roman Empire through trading. So, they're saying that they don't know if ginger was a part of uh, Saturnalia before the Romans got involved or after. In the 13th century, Marco Polo brought it to the West from China, and in the centuries that followed, the spice widely spread from Europe and went from rare and expensive to widely available. Gingerbread is a misnomer because it was never bread. The word derives from the Old French for a gingered food. It morphed into gingerbread, and Middle English turned it into gingerbread. In the form of cookies or flat cakes, the sweet was used for nourishment, education, and decoration. Monks made gingerbread to feed the hungry and give religious instruction. 
they mixed a paste of breadcrumbs, honey, ginger, and rolled it out into thin uh, layers. And then they would carve images. So like saints, Bible scenes, etc. It actually kind of reminds me of, um, oh, like we have that. We as in witches, we have something very similar. I can't think of the name right now. So children learn the alphabet from gingerbread slabs with letters, uh, poetry. Uh, now, the more elaborate gingerbread became common in the royal courts. So heads of state would use it for self-promotion, distributing sweets stamped with their own images, bakers, woodcarvers, painters. It's funny. I actually have um, this really cool wood cookie cutter that, like, stamps an image, and it's for gingerbread. So that's really interesting. So Queen Elizabeth hired her own gingerbread baker to feed her craving for the sweets. She commanded the baker to make gingerbread men in the likeness of visiting dignitaries and her suitors. So history doesn't record if a suitor who'd fallen out of favor got no gingerbread or if the queen was consumed or if the queen just like ate his gingerbread. I don't know. But there were far worse fates than watching the queen decapitate your gingerbread effigy. Uh, So, you know, not too bad. So the common people enjoyed less lavish forms of gingerbread, buying it at fairs and exchanging it as a love token. Many believed gingerbread in certain shapes were charms. Those searching for mates was hoping to ward off evil and would devour heart-shaped pieces. Gingerbread rabbits were supposed to increase fertility, and young unmarried women could eat man-shaped gingerbreads called husbands in order to attract a live husband. So the flip side of believing an object will confer good fortune is fearing it will bring bad luck. Superstition sprang up from the humanoid sweets ha- that had that they had demonic powers. Oh, I, I see what's happening here. They're kind of um, making the poppet uh, connection. Within a few years of Queen Elizabeth's death, the gingerbread pendulum had swung to the dark side. The sweet fell so out of favor that Dutch magistrates declared it illegal to bake or eat the molded cookies. Witches, supposedly, made gingerbread figurines, ate them, and thereby caused the death of their enemies. <laughs> oh, I love it. Even after the persecution of witches ended in the 18th century, uh, the evil witch uh, persisted in oral tradition. The Brothers Grimm drew on folklore for their ta- uh, for their tale. Of, of cannibalistic witches luring children into gingerbread houses. Oh, this makes sense. This is how we got Hansel and Gretel. So Queen Victoria popularized dormant English Christmas traditions and imported German ones from her husband's homeland. So that's how we got the gingerbread back. Very fascinating. I mean, that makes sense, right? If you have a cookie shaped like a person, it's only a matter of time. Before people are going to start being like, well, poppets. You know, we're very prone to that sort of thing. Anyways, I thought that was fascinating. All right, moving into some headlines. We have another kind of true crime thing. So this comes to us from Collider. And it talks about the true story behind Hereditary, the movie's occult themes. I'm going to be honest, I don't really like this movie. It's just too much for me. So I'm not going to talk about anything that's particularly upsetting or gruesome. So if that's a concern for you, do not worry about it. 
So the cult and demon featured in Hereditary, Paimon, are lifted from a controversial grimoire, the Goetia, the lesser key of Solomon. Do I have do I have this book? This sounds really familiar to me. I might have this book. Um, so yes, so the demon from the movie is lifted from uh the Goetia. The movie is an affecting and powerful portrait of the dissolution of a family whose lineage has been tainted by supernatural forces with evil intentions. So the seal of Pyman is shown a number of times throughout the film, and unless you had a familiarity with the occult, you would have no idea of its actual relevance. Pyman is the ninth, the ninth spirit in the First Order and is very obedient to Lucifer. He takes on the appearance of a man that is the master of arts, sciences, and secret things. Like most demons, he demands a sacrifice when summoned and must be treated with dignity. He also has 200 lesser spirits under his control and is particularly on the side of angels. Chester took some of the creative license in his screenwriting for Hereditary uh, because there is no mention of like a male host body in the uh, Goetia like there is in the movie. So the physical description offered in the movie's bleak conclusion is similar to ones that exist uh, in the text, though. Yeah, it's very interesting. And then there's parts where one of the character mimics kind of Aleister Crowley and the Golden Dawn. I mean, you can watch this movie and, like, get get it like get that it has a lot of occult references so i don't think that's like a big secret um i mean or maybe i'm just so used to reading about these things to me it seems really obvious but yeah interesting i don't like it i don't like the movie <laughs> and it's not because like here's the thing i love movies so it's not that like I don't get it or uh I don't think it's well made. Something can be well made and you can get it and still just not like it, you know? And I think people really struggle to understand the differences between those two things. Like I can say, yes, it is a beautifully made movie. The cinematography, the music, it's clearly very well done. I still don't like it. <laughs> I still don't want to watch it. Um, I think people really struggle with that kind of dichotomy. All right, witches. I am throwing this over to our moon correspondent, and after this break, we will talk more. Hello to all of my astro friends. This is Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, coming at you with your daily moon mantra for Tuesday, October 17th. The waxing crescent moon moves from the rabbit hole of Scorpio to the freewheeling adventures of Sagittarius today. Here, the moon squares Saturn and trines Neptune. There's a lot of feelings flying around today, and it's hard to tell where they're all coming from. The square to Saturn says we may be feeling criticism in a much more impactful way, and not necessarily the constructive way it's meant. The trying to Neptune has us all turned around, and we'll be lucky if we can manage to find our way out of these squishy feelings. If you find that the emotional quicksand is getting overwhelming, reach out to something you know to be true a resource, or a friend, or a family member that has always proven to provide your compass with a true north. Your daily moon mantra is, a compass doesn't tell you where you are, it tells you where you have to go. This has been your daily moon mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, signing off and reminding you that you are in charge of your own destiny. 
Asheville Pagan Supply is a witch-owned and operated old-age metaphysical pagan supply store located in the Blue Ridge Mountain town of Asheville, North Carolina. Our shop specializes in high-quality products created by local magic practitioners and craftspersons with an emphasis on sourcing products that are botanical, organic, ecologically conscious, and affordably priced. We are extremely proud of our knowledgeable and friendly staff who are always prepared to answer questions and personally assist customers with their purchases. Our belief has always been that our business presence in the community offers a normalcy to pagan practices and in educating the general public we assist in dispelling myths and stereotypes associated with different pagan practices. Open since July of 2014, we focus on our local community and hosting workshops and events. Visiting Asheville? Find us. Just look for the raven with the key. Or shop 24-7 at AshevillePaganSupply.store. That's A-S-H-E-V-I-L-L-E-P-A-G-A-N Supply.store. Blessed be. All right, witches, we are back. So something that kind of came up when I was looking up kind of urban legends to talk about was that of the Navajo skinwalker. Now, at first, I was going to say, you know what? No, I'm not going to cover this. Um, I don't like the way uh, this has been being handled in mainstream. And when I say mainstream, I mean social media. Um, I actually think we're kind of getting into dangerous territory when it comes to how people talk about skinwalkers. And I'm very, very concerned we're about to get into a situation where people are genuinely very harmed by the narrative of the skinwalker. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to talk about it. And then it occurred to me, if I don't talk about it, I'm just leaving open space for these rampant social media conspiracies to do their thing. And being silent only helps the misinformation. So I decided today that I would talk about it with the hopes that at least my listeners, if they see that sort of thing happening, they know it's not okay. They know it's fear-mongering. They know it's hysteria. And they can remove themselves from that situation. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, basically, if you are on social media at all, um, I'm not even on Witch Talk or anything like that. I'm just on, like, Buffy cooking with, like, ooh, give me a fun little conspiracy theory, like, splashed in there. You know, I'm I'm not even deep in the occult side of TikTok. I'm not deep in the witch side of TikTok. I'm not deep in the mysteries and the occult. of Just because, like, TikTok's my relaxed time and all of those subjects are my work time, you know? But even with that being said, I'm still seeing TikToks where it'll be a video of someone's child or an immigrant man on an airplane or um, a family pet. And there's comments being like, that's a skinwalker. That's not that's not really your pet. That's not really your child. That's not really a human being. And it spirals out of control. And why this upsets me is there are very, very real stories of people who have lost their lives due to that sort of encouragement. 
Um, have we seen it in terms of uh, this hysteria? No. And are the people saying these things even from the skinwalker culture? No. These are, let's be honest, mostly like very uneducated in the subject type of people. You know what I mean? These aren't people of the culture. These are not people who are knowledgeable and they're encouraging this. So what happens is, and we've seen this recently, where parents will think that their child isn't real or really them or possessed, and then that child loses their life. And it's something we've seen, okay? And now we're seeing it in regards to people taking something they don't understand and using it um, to fear monger and to be very irresponsible. Uh, just most recently, I saw it done um, in regards to like an immigrant man on a plane, right? And I've seen the same comments towards people's children, towards children, towards animals. Um, it's always... It's always pointed towards people who either look a little different, who maybe behave a little different, move a little different, and who are often weaker, right? So this is going to be children, pets, neurodivergent, people who maybe don't speak um, the language of whatever situation they're in. It's always going to be the not pretty white people who are being pointed to you know? Um, so it's just really problematic. Uh, so anyways, I figured today we would actually talk about what a skinwalker is from the Navajo culture and do so in a way that I hope at least my listeners, when they stumble upon that, because you probably will with what I'm seeing and like the, um, speed at which this is picking up. And this is an example of when I criticize TikTok, it's because of like the speed of misinformation and how quickly it picks up the speed at which I'm seeing this makes me nervous. Uh, so I just wanted to talk about it. Witches, we hope you have a wonderful day full of joy and gentleness and confidence. Links for this week's episodes, our website, Patreon, along with a free daily card pull can be found at witchpod.com. One stop for everything we talk about. Now, take one more deep breath and have a great day.